You're listening to Atomic Moms. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Hey, everyone. So this week we have a special surprise episode because our world was turned upside down with our two-year-old's virus. Everyone, I am sitting opposite Adam Stekiel. He is here to do the introduction with me. And so we have this fun surprise episode because I had that middle of the night panic that we might not be able to find childcare for her this week, which means the episode I was going to release this week would need to be postponed. Thus, a fun, crazy, wild Sunday episode where I called two girlfriends who are repeat guests on Atomic Moms. You know them. You love them. Becky Friedman, head writer of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, and actress Nikki Deloche who is a three-peat podcast guest. So I have really fun calls with them where we commiserate about surviving illness as a family. And as we head into... Cold and flu season. Yeah, I thought this was apropos. Plus, the second kids go back to school and you think you might get a second, you get more time with them. It's It's, so beautiful. It's weird because we, I mean, we obviously send them to school to be socialized and learn things, but we also send them in large part to, you know, as a form of childcare so that we have time to live our lives. And of course we are sending them to the most contagious Petri dish of a place you could possibly send them. It's just kids putting things in their mouths all day long and collective drool piles and potty training. All of the ways that illnesses are passed happen. And that's why I thought it'd be so fun to call Becky Friedman because before her life as a professional Emmy-winning writer, she was a preschool teacher. And I was like, well, she'll be able to calm me down on the germ front because I'd say I've always had a healthy fear of sickness. I am not motherly when it comes that's not fair i did spend all night you're very maternal you're a great care giver or or whatever you would call it but (laughs) thanks babe i'm yeah i'm the opposite i'm the one who's just like everyone has to fend for themselves and so i'm I'm not a great nurturer is that the right word (laughs) is that how you say it nurture uh but you're yeah i think what you're trying to say is that you like to predict and illnesses and sometimes you're right and many times you're wrong but when i'm right the doctors always say that i have spotted it first yeah yeah well because you're in a perpetual (laughs) spotting mode my hyper vigilance has meant that yeah my one in a million tumor when i had it which listeners who are on instagram you saw my insta story about my yearly checkup went to the oncologist got the clean bill of health Woohoo! But when I had that sucker, they were like, yeah, this is one of the earliest cases, even though it was massive. They were right. like, this is one of the earliest cases that's been spotted. Because I, <laughs> Zelly's like, I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> to be told I was special by a yeah. doctor. Yes. And part of that is because my dad really places a lot of emphasis on doctor's opinions and health. So I think as a child, that was a way of... <laughs> Getting his attention, maybe. Sure. Nobody loves to piggyback on someone else's doctor's appointment like my father. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that might That's be true. the root 
of the neuroses. You do that too, though. You've got that's a trait. Someone else will go in, right? You have that. Or like, if I have a doctor's appointment, you'll say, "Also, can you check this thing out on my body while (laughs) we're here?" But usually, it's like for you because you're so doctor resistant. Yeah. I'll say, can you check out this other thing for him? Right. Because you like to dose out information. I like to give a big picture. and you A real, you like to give a detailed picture. A detailed picture. I mean, I've had, just so everyone knows, like I've had, I don't let Ellie come to the doctor with me. I, I'm just, she's like, and you could, which is, I think it's weird that she was always like, well, I want to go. And I'm like, no, I'm a 41 year old man. I don't need someone to go to the doctor with me. But when I do go, she will often give me a list of questions that I have to ask the doctor. So I have all these like recordings on my phone being like, is there a danger of a stroke? Is there a danger of a heart attack? Well, because you are on some pretty serious medication. I to be say fair pretty to myself. Serious. Okay. So what I would say, and I think this is indicative of the scenario with our kids getting sick is, and it's, I'm sure I would love to hear from listeners because I'm willing to bet most partners have this relationship where you, once the illness has been identified, I just sort of throw up my hands and I'm like, okay, we have a sick kid. Like the whole house is infected. Let's keep washing our hands and do our best to not get everybody sick. But I don't, but beyond that, I don't really care. You, you have a real case of Ross around. I really do. Cause I just feel like it's over. We've lost the battle. The illness has penetrated the house. It, now it's almost up to the illness gods if we get sick or not, aside from washing hands and things like that. You really like to, a sense of control and I try want to wash the sheets. Wash, yeah. Make sure that we only use the towels once. I will wipe down everything multiple times. Right. I'm going to take new toothbrushes. S- yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take Sabrina when I pick her up at the bus stop to like get something from the hot bar at the grocery store just for to dinner. Just to keep them apart. Just to keep them apart tonight. But so the my my. And again, I all of that makes sense to me, but I I'm just of the mind of like it's a ba- it's not even a losing battle, it's a battle that's been lost. And my point would be the other day Ellie Eliza because she was sick was literally awake all night long and Ellie spent the night in her room with her and probably slept maybe 20 minutes all night. So the next morning, Ellie goes upstairs to try and get an hour of sleep, which we all know never happens anyway, because you can hear the chaos downstairs. But while she's up there, I go into the kitchen to try to make the kids breakfast. I leave them alone for literally 30 seconds, and I come back, and (laughs) Sabrina has Eliza's foot in her mouth. And I'm like, what is wrong (laughs) with kids? And this is where we share that Eliza has hand, foot, mouth. Hand, foot, mouth. You're like, there's three body parts I don't want you putting in your mouth. And this is why I can't go upstairs and rest. This is why I have to be vigilant right. all the time. It's true, I'm I agree. I'm up all night with her. The, you'll hear in this episode, I do share later, that I pulled in the trundle mattress so I could sleep next to yeah. her in her crib because she's impossible to actually sleep with. She's also too big for me to hold all night. And she's a, she flops. She's like a fish on a boat. She just flops yeah. all night long. So that, you know... But but again, to be clear, it's not like Sabrina knew what Eliza had and was engaging it. I just feel that kids have a sense. Because we sense. don't want her to know because then she'll blabber to her whole school. Right. And we'll be treated like lepers. Even though you're like, no, we have the most paranoid mom on the planet. Our kids won't see each other for 14 days. <laughs> 
But my point is, is that kids have a sixth sense for just sort of like, hey, what's the dumbest thing I could do right now? Ah, it's definitely put my sister's foot in her mouth. Like, that's not a thing Sabrina does normally. She just had that little tingle that was like, hmm, I feel like putting my sister's foot in her mouth, my mouth right now would drive my dad absolutely through the wall, which is what happened. I walked in and was like, what do you, what do you do? You can't put, put your sister's foot in. Like, you got to wash your face and brush your teeth and wash everybody. But now we have to cut out your tongue. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and she's just like, why? She has cute feet. And I'm like, you've never, ever said that. <laughs> Only now. Let me tell you, they're getting cuter by the day. Yeah, they really are. So, last night. <laughs> oh, she was so cute. We were putting Eliza to bed, and she's got her little spots or whatever. And so I was like, I said, you're like a little Chinese pig from the movie Contagion. Because for those, spoiler, for those of you who haven't seen it, that's where the illness and Contagion started. And I was calling Eliza my little Chinese pig from Contagion. And then Eliza goes, oink, oink. <laughs> Welcome to the sticky old. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my great. God. Well, okay. So in this episode, I will be calling these two returning guests. The first mom I'm calling is Becky Friedman. She's a children's writer and creator whose work can be seen on such shows as Creative Galaxy, Wish and Poof, The Stinky and Dirty Show. <laughs> Sounds like the kids in my backseat. And Esme and Roy. She is best known for her work as head writer of the first four seasons of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and is currently writing on Disney Junior's newest preschool show, Tots, as well as developing a new preschool show with the hip-hop powerhouses, The Roots. Becky lives with her sassy four-year-old daughter, energetic 18-month-old son, and sassy and energetic 39-year-old husband in Los Angeles. In her spare time, she enjoys running and stress-eating. And you can listen to our first episode with Becky writing Daniel's Tiger's Neighborhood, Mom Life, and Fred Rogers' Legacy with Becky Friedman. That was released January of 2018, and I will have it in our show notes at AtomicMoms.com. But first, I want to do a quick little playback from our episode with Casey Levy. She is Elsa in Frozen on Broadway. And here is a little snippet from our conversation from December 2018, because it's something I've been thinking about a lot with my own child being sick right now. What are some of the ways that you have learned to be kinder to yourself? Like, is there anything in your toolbox you can share, like when you're having a particularly trying moment or you mm -hmm. know, when your child is sick or it feels like so many mm -hmm. things are happening at once and you need to be able to focus or forgive yourself mm -hmm. if you stumble? Like, is there a phrase mm -hmm. that you use or what, what is something that you do to say, like, it's okay. Like, yeah. like I forgive myself. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of it is just an inner dialogue of those exact words you're saying, but sometimes, especially when the stakes seem very high and I'm very, very stressed out. I, I think about, especially when I'm singing the song, I don't really think about let it go when I'm not singing it, but oftentimes I'll be in the wings about to sing that song and realize the pressure of it and how much everyone's <laughs> waiting for this song, you know, closes the first act and everyone knows this song. It's the most famous song from the show. And, you know, maybe I'll be, I, I only got four hours of sleep the night before because Isaiah has a fever, which is what the last few days have been, or, you know, I have a lot of phlegm that day and I'm worried about hitting the high notes or whatever the case may be. And I, I have to like 
really coach myself by singing that song. And I really attach myself to those words, which sounds very, very cheesy, but it actually helped me, like, especially on, you know, opening night or when the critics are in and, you know, they're reviewing the show or all the Tony Award voters. I think about the fact that Elsa is just saying, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks of me. And I'm just going to tackle this right in front of me right now. And, you know, my mom, it's so funny. She's always had this really good piece of advice that I didn't quite understand until I became a mother. But she, when I've been worked up in the past or had a tough time, she said, you know what, there's the same number of hours in every day and time will tick on and you won't feel the way you feel now in the next minute, in the next hour, in the next day. And that's helped me too, especially now as a mom, when, you know, the house is a mess and I like things to be tidy. And when the baby has a fever and the babysitter cancels and my husband's working away from home and I have to get to the show, you know, I just try to like close my eyes and think about that, that like time will tick by and this will sort itself out. And there've been times, there was actually a time two weeks ago when Isaiah, I came home in between shows to see him because he was having sort of a tough morning. He was like on the verge of getting sick. He was fighting some kind of virus. He had picked up a daycare and I came home and he just had a terrible fit at like, he's not, he's not really um, an upset kid. He's really goofy and happy 90% of the time. So I knew he wasn't himself and it was 6.30 and I needed to get back to the theater for seven, yeah, for seven o'clock for an eight o'clock show. And he just threw this terrible fit and the babysitter was there and it was a new babysitter. My husband was out of town and I thought, you know what? I got to be a mom first right now. I can't in good conscience leave this apartment with him screaming like this and feeling like hell. And I called out sick and it's the only time I've ever had to do that. But I thought every mom out there who's going to be disappointed that they're seeing an understudy is also going to be sitting next to their kid and understand that Elsa's a mom too. (laughs) She's got to put her kid first, you know? And to bring this all full circle, Becky introduced me to Casey. So thank you, Becky, for getting me that interview. Okay, now here's a fun catch-up call with Becky on all things sick-related. Hello? Hi, Becky. Hi. (laughs) How you doing? I've been better. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Yeah, it sounds like we're doing a little bit better than you, huh? (laughs) Yeah. So thank you for hopping on this call with me. Oh, man, my pleasure. I I didn't want to invite you over to this cesspool that is my home right now. (laughs) Uh, Man, but I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to do a little catch up with you and to find out, Mm -hmm. you know, what happens at your house when the kids get sick, especially as a, you know, not only as you know, I think of you in my head always as Daniel Tiger Becky, and I hope that's not offensive, but I always refer to you as Daniel Tiger I'll Becky. I'll take it. I'll say I'm okay. I'm good with that. <laughs> You're so much more than that, but it is, you know, I feel like Daniel Tiger Becky must have all the answers. And also as a former oh, yeah. preschool teacher, that you would know things that, you know, sure. some of us wouldn't know, like, me because I try to stay as far away from people who are sick as possible. That's your first mistake. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is that why I don't have a great immune system? (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I really go back and forth or maybe I just trade around my philosophies based on what works the best in the moment. But especially when I was teaching, 
I really felt and still feel that in some ways germs are the best way to stave off sickness. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm actually not really a germaphobe at all, uh, perhaps because of teaching. You know, I had to get really comfortable with germs really fast. And I knock on everything, tend to be a pretty healthy person. I have a pretty tough immune system. And I think that's because I, you know, let my kids cough in my face as you do and, you know, put my keys in my mouth if I need an extra hand and all these things that horrify uh, my husband. <laughs> but I think they keep <laughs> me pretty healthy and pretty strong. <laughs> Not that I've admitted it. <laughs> How is he on the immune front? Uh, you know, I, I, I hate to bring up a cliche, but I would say <laughs> it's really, <laughs> you know, it's funny cause it's true. It's really tough to say how his immune system actually is because I would say his emotional response to his immune system is not a great one. Um, is he really all that sick? You know? Uh, maybe sometimes, <laughs> but he certainly performs sick uh, quite well. <laughs> well, that leads me to my next question. When you are both working and you have yeah. one child in preschool, the other one is in daycare. Well, mm -hmm. first of all, who answers that call? Is it, mm. is it, do they usually call the mom first in your experience? Yes. I would say I, I'm trying to think, you know, you often, when the kids are sick or getting sick, I think we usually spot it before they are in school. It's rare that I've gotten a call to like come pick up one of them out of school. Usually we see it coming the night before. Um, and that's when, you know, the dark, dark dread and panic sets in yeah. and, and the, and the panic dialing, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard with two working parents and, you know, neither of us have family around. We don't have grandparents or siblings in California that can, or, or in LA or anything that can sort of pinch it for us. And so it's, we, especially last winter, which was our first winter where we didn't have a nanny, where both kids were in school, where we were both working, we really struggled. And, and, you know, I don't know how winter is going to go, but this, this winter. Winter is coming. <laughs> oh. Winter is coming. And, you know, so it's like our backup care is calling every babysitter that we have even remotely used or thought of in the past two years. You know, I'll take a stranger off the street if I have to, just, just any warm body really who can be there. <laughs> you know, we've used like a temp nanny service before. And, and, and with the little guy last winter, he really got hit hard. It's interesting. Meadow is pretty, she's pretty healthy. She's pretty strong. She did not get sick much. And the little guy, Levi, he actually got sick quite a bit last winter and he had RSV for two weeks, which was brutal. And that's something where, you know, he had to do like a nebulizer every four hours. And, you know, you, unfortunately are, usual low grade stranger off the street babysitter just wasn't going to cut it in that case. We needed to really step it up with the quality. We couldn't use that. What we like to call the smoke detector babysitter, which is able to dial 911 in an emergency, but otherwise not to be trusted to do anything. Um, that wasn't going to work in this situation. So, you know, I did a little, Adam did a little, Adam's 
mom flew out from Florida in a very like superhero grandma move and came in and saved the day. And then for the last week, I think we found a nanny through another family that, you know, we loved and trusted and, and was incredible, but it's just, it really is that when you start to hear the cough or you start to wonder what that little dot is near their <laughs> mouth or, you know, not to, too, too soon, too soon for you, Ellie. You know, it's, you really get the, the panic and the dread and you start thinking of 16 backup plans and it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. But it does make me glad we're in California and not New York because I do think the cold weather, you know, the sickness is much, much worse there, I think. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little better. The dread and yeah. the, the stress really uh, gets to me because it, it, the not knowing what your week will be or who oh will God. be there to pick up the slack, it, it, the not knowing is very difficult for me and especially not knowing like how mm-hmm. long the night will be. Last night I ended mm-hmm. up with Sabrina's trundle bed mattress. I dragged it into Eliza's room because I was hoping to sleep oh next to her. And she didn't have a fever, but she was just, uh, you could just tell she was so restless and uncomfortable because she was up every 20 minutes. And then at 4 a.m., she decides she's got to go to the bathroom. And since I'm in there, I can't ignore that plea to use Mm-mm. the potty. And so then I carry in her little <laughs> potty and then the lights are low oh. and then she uses the potty. And then it's like trying to get her sleep sack back on. And then it's like, it's like you've had a whole lifetime and it isn't even 6am yet. I mean, it's the sleep thing. It, I mean, the sick thing is one thing, but then the sleep on top of it mm-hmm. is, is crazy making. Yeah. When we, when Levi was in the the RSV zone, which I'd never even heard of, by the way. I didn't even know that was a thing. I had to Google it when they told me. What does RSV stand for, by the way? Uh, great question. Mm. <laughs> so we'll I'm going to say oh, the R must have to do with respiratory because it's sort of like pneumonia adjacent, basically. It's a, it's a respiratory issue. And so it's all about the breathing and whether or not his lungs are clear. And so what they do is they have you count his the breathing. So every hour overnight, we had to go in there, creep into the room and count to make sure that his breathing wasn't too rapid. And if it got above a certain number of breaths every 20 seconds, then we had to take him to the ER. So just like every hour you're waking up, you're crawling in there, you're, you know, you're counting, you're recounting. It, it was, I mean, just terrible. And then, yeah, you're so sleep deprived the next day that you can barely see straight. And you don't know how long it's going to go on for. And then I think, you know, I don't know if you experience this, but, you know, then I think you start to get into this weird power play over whose work is important, who is the one that's going to stay home with the kid. You know, do you have a, a meeting? Does he have, you know, whatever it is, then like, I feel like there's this whole other layer about who can take a step away from work and what that means and who wants to, or who's more controlling or who needs to be there. You know, then you, there's your marriage pretty, pretty much right in the middle of all of that. <laughs> I was going to ask like, who gets to play the career card? Because that's, yeah, it's such exactly. a, that's such a power struggle. And then the other one that creeps in as I recognize this morning at 5 45 AM after being up all night with her <laughs> and having Adam sleep because he had a work thing it's this, we're recording on right. a Sunday, but he had a big work thing today. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I let him sleep this whole time. And, but that sort of righteousness creeps in, 
because oh yeah, I'm so oh tired. yeah, that righteousness is the fabric of marriage, though, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you're just trading back and forth. It does. It is a great motivator. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm really I'm I'm stockpiling up serious righteousness and I'm going to take a girl's trip at some point. <laughs> that's what that, that's how that pays off. Right. <laughs> yeah. Th- I was wondering what the payoff was <laughs> that that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. I haven't tested this theory yet, but uh, I'm hoping that I can really cash in on that. <laughs> so do you have your kids wash their hands when they come home from school and daycare or do you let yeah. it fly? Nope. I, I do. So yeah. So so here's where my philosophy kind of breaks down, which is that for myself, I am not germaphobic at all, or I don't worry about that stuff so much. However, for the kids, yes, I have them wash hands as soon as they get home. And I mean, I've heard of other parents, I've thought of like, should I just strip off their clothes and stick them right in the bath? Like that feels very satisfying to me. But on the other hand, you know, that time, the time from when you get home to bedtime is sort of the most insane, crazy time. And so I haven't actually been able to pull that off, but that's a fantasy of mine. And also the other things that I do are, I bought this special like Clorox spray product that apparently is used by hospitals and is like the only specific kind that kills the norovirus. And you can't get it in the store. You have to get it. You know this, the norovirus? I heard it I was because I was on a mom Facebook group this morning uh-huh. and, and they were uh-huh. all the oh, mothers good, were good. commenting about the special Clorox that you have to get on Amazon. I didn't know that yes. it uh, helps with norovirus. That's huge because nobody warned yes. me about norovirus before I had children. Oof. I didn't realize how that Oof. would rock my world every year. Yeah, that I use that. And then also actually our mutual friend, Angelique, taught me about this rosemary conditioning spray for kids. I, I want to say the company is like fairy tale. Yes, for lice. Eggs that staves off lice or so, or so I believe. We don't, I don't actually know. They haven't gotten it. Or so but. they're marketing it as. <laughs> well, exactly. Sabrina was in a play this summer where they all wore wigs and she had lost her Ooh. binder or something. So I got to go backstage with her and next to the wigs, I saw the detangling spray. And I was like, okay, I was wondering about how they were, you know, yep. keeping it at bay. There you go. I'm like getting itchy now thinking mm-hmm. about it. But you use it. I know. Okay. <laughs> but, th- but I use it. I use it on both kids. I mean, you know, I don't know. You got to do what you got to do. It's tough. I did also, also on a mom's group, which is both the best place and the worst place mm-hmm. for things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody had posted a recipe for like this miracle, you know, kills anything, keeps away everything concoction. And it was like six, you know, I went to the natural food store. It was like 16 different things, like weird tinctures and, um, you know, echinacea. And I have no idea. So I mixed it all together and I started giving it to the kids. And I was like, so psyched on myself. And then I want to say like a week later, Meadow broke out into a rash. <laughs> I have no idea it was, if it was related or not, but I was so panicked that I threw everything away. I mean, it must've been like a hundred dollars. And I was like, forget it. Like, this is all my fault. I've been causing this. And so that was the end of that. But I know people love, you know, that stuff, echinacea and elderberry syrup and God knows what else, vitamin C, I think. <laughs> Uh, how do you, how do you get your kids to take medicine? 
they love it. I mean, it tastes like candy, doesn't it? It's like bubblegum so. flavored and grape flavored. I have two medicine loving kids, which is probably more disturbing. Do your kid were your kids not? They refuse. No, Sabrina loves it, but Eliza oh, refuses yeah. it. But I think I've ruined her, Becky, because <laughs> our, our little joke at home has always been like, "No, this is medicine." Ew! Like when we didn't want Eliza to have something that Sabrina was having or my coffee, uh, we would call uh-huh. it medicine. Like total idiots, <laughs> and now I'm paying for it. Oh no! And then I tried to call her medicine candy, and that didn't work. So it's. <laughs> I was gonna say that's probably the opposite direction that maybe is even less advised is to call medicine candy. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know, but yeah, both my kids are, are into it. I think the, the albuterol nebulizer thing, Levi yeah. was not a fan of that. That's a rough one. Oh. But we found that if you just sing old McDonald's about 800 times, he'll kind of relax into mm. it and <laughs> sort of lulls him into submission. I'll take it. Do you <laughs> let your kids touch stuff at the pediatricians? Like, do you let them play with the play things in that, like, the oh, waiting area? Oh, God. You know, I do, but I'm grossed out by it. But there's, I mean, there's really precious little I can do about it, at least with my kids. they both, I have two very strong-willed children. And so that falls into the pick-your-battles category. Mm. But yeah, I do. I do find it disgusting. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, look, if they get sick, at least they're in the right place. <laughs> that's true. Although I don't want to take her sometimes because I'm like, she'll pick up something different, especially oh. on the Saturday, you know, because that's only the mm-hmm. sick kids. <laughs> so, right. Oh, God. You know, in closing, Becky, when you were going through that really difficult time with Levi, the weeks of no sleep and counting his breaths, mm-hmm. what would you do in the morning? to reset yourself so that you could go to work and be a functioning human being? You know, just drink. Just drink heavily, really. No, (laughs) it's hard. I mean, I find, and I don't know if you, I think you do find this, but being a mom, it's kind of relentless. And especially being a working mom. And you, I don't know that there was a particular ritual or anything that that I did or that worked for me, but you just power through, you just do it because, or at least I did, because that's what you have to do. You know, there was, it wasn't really a choice. And so I just sort of sucked it up and kept going. (laughs) Um, I wish I had some kind of tool or trick or, or wisdom for how to get through that stuff. But I mean, I think the only wisdom is that you are capable of so much more than you realize, you know, at least that's what I found that when, when you've had no sleep and the kids are sick and you got to go to work and you got to just take care of it all, you just do, you know, because you have to. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. You're amazing. I love you Thank too. You. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. And I mean, I hope you guys are in good health soon. Okay. I am calling three-peat guest. Nikki Deloche. She is a mom, actress, writer, producer, and teacher living in Los Angeles, California with her husband and two kids. She's also a spokesperson for Children's Hospital of Los Angeles and the Alzheimer's Association. And if you are a fan of the Hallmark Channel movies, those Christmas movies, then I'm sure you know Nikki well. Are we recording? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, hold on. I got to put my earpiece in. Currently... 
my children are outside riding around in on their little vehicles and making a giant mess whenever I'm trying to get them in the house. Tell me about this summer because you sent me an email. It was a catch-up email and it sounded really crazy when you went to Georgia with your boys. It was so crazy. It was crazy. By the way, this happens every time I go to Georgia with them. Both of them go down like bad. Not Never ever do I ever experience this where the two of them get sick like this ever, except every time we fly to Georgia. And I was, it was like a double whammy because I, all I wanted to do was just spend time with my dad. You know, he has pig's disease. We don't know how much time we have left with him. He already doesn't remember my children. He vaguely remembers me, if not at all, and thinks that I'm his cousin. So I'm just wanting time. And literally like the day we arrive at the house in, on our farm in Georgia, both of them go down like super high fevers. I'm up all night long trying to get Hudson's fever down. Motrin's not cutting it. Nothing is working. It is. And it goes on for days yet again, for like the third time. And I have to change my ticket. And also because my dad is, you know, he, he really, he can't be in hospitals and, you know, he's super vulnerable. So like, he can't really be around people that have viruses and illnesses. And here is two walking illnesses in the house. So we had to essentially barricade ourselves in the bedroom that the three of us were staying in for like five days. I didn't get to see my dad. I was up all night with both children. Um, I mean, it was, it was so crazy. I was so sad. And it is one of those moments and I don't have them often where I was just like, why is this happening? And yeah, it was like both of them had stomach viruses and other viruses. And then they also got strep and then an ear infection. I, I like, I don't even know, by the way, how's Eliza? She's, uh, she's fair. <laughs> How about that? I'm not expecting her to go to school anytime soon. But do you, how do you sleep with both boys in a bed? Because that email also mentioned that you had both boys in the bed with you. I did. I haven't, I haven't had to tackle that yet. Thought the idea of both kids being sick at the same time, which I'm sure is how it usually goes down. I'm lucky enough to have not experienced it yet. And I'm wondering how do you have two little hot ones in bed with you? It was really, I didn't sleep. That's the thing. I didn't sleep for like four or five nights, like at all. And I was a crazy person by the end, but Hudson to the right of me. And then I literally held Bennett, Aww. like held him um, while we slept. So I just like reclined myself with a couple of pillows and then stuck one under the elbow in which I was like kind of cradling his head. And so he would fall off the bed should I happen to fall asleep fully. And just like, yeah, because both of them were running such high fevers and I was kind of like having to go, like they were off on the times that they were taking their doses. So I would set my alarm and then, you know, when that three hours was up, I would get up, I would, you know, do the whole thing with the fever and the medicine and the whole thing, then go back. And then Bennett would be an hour later and I would do the same thing over with him. I was just, it was nuts. It was so nuts. What do you do when you're back in LA and you have to be on set the next morning? Well, I have to go to set. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's like, it's, it's, 
it's not one of those industries, you know, if, for example, if you are, whether it's a teacher or a lawyer or whatever it is, you know, if your child gets very, very sick and somebody has to stay home with him, that's usually allowed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, short of like a real emergency and, you know, I have a heart baby. So like we have, like, there are emergencies that can happen. But short of like a real emergency, you got to show up at set. So I would have to leave them with, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a nanny. Um, Ryan has stayed home a couple of times with them when I've had to go to set. And with Hudson when he was younger, because I filmed a show out here in LA for like six years. And Hudson has been sick and Ryan has stayed home with him. But, you know, he only gets a total of two weeks off all year long. So it's tough. It's tough for families. And by the way, we're lucky because we can't afford a nanny and we can afford to bring somebody in. But like, think about people who are working three jobs and them showing up to work that day. It, it, like their, their quality of life depends on it in terms of like whether they'll get to buy fruits and vegetables or they'll have to buy, you know, 10 packs of ramen noodles. Well, and whether or not they get to keep their job. Yeah. Whether or not they get to keep their job, single mothers, like, I think about that all the time of just how fortunate we are that when we do have sick kids, like, we we can keep them home. And we do have the means in which to do that. When you just mentioned that Benny is a heart kid, can you explain that to new listeners? Like, what that entails yes. for him? And then I'm also curious, once he starts preschool, Will you continue to have a full-time nanny, probably to like pick up the kids, right? But how how will you juggle yeah. that? Because because it's not a situation where you can just go on care.com for him. No. I'm imagining to find a backup sitter. No. Yeah, it's been really tough. I mean, I think, you know, you know Lucy, you've met Lucy. She's been with our family for three years. And I think the toughest part. <laughs> like one of the toughest parts of ever letting her go in the course of those three years, I think we held her hostage until finally she was like, I'm going to apply to a program in London. So I have to put an ocean between <laughs> me and your family. Um, so because she was so good with the sick part, you know, she had taken care of um, never sick babies, but she did a lot with hospice. So she was, she was not scared and she was very confident. And that's the main thing. Like I didn't know about heart babies. So Bennett had something called transposition of the great arteries, but it was complicated by the fact that he also had a hole in his heart. His aorta was almost fully closed and he had only one coronary artery. We're supposed to have two. And the coronary artery was in the wrong place. So it's, he's actually a very, very, very rare child. His case has now been published because they couldn't really figure out how to rewire a child with his specific type of heart condition, the one coronary artery in a transposition child. It's, it, it hasn't really been done. So they published Benny's case study so that other doctors and surgeons could, could mirror it and do that when they find other kids like Benny. So that's amazing. But he, uh, so he had a lot of stuff going on with his heart. And the first surgery, he was five days old. The second surgery, he was a year. And then we just had another surgery about six weeks ago. And um, there are more to come. There will be more. And so for me, 
I, I've been trying to really figure out like how to let him be a boy, but also to be cautious, you know, that's such a hard thing. I think as a parent and when he gets sick, I, in the beginning, when he used to get sick, I really had to work myself out of trauma. (laughs) I would like go straight into a place of trauma and freak out. And I've had to like kind of walk myself out of that and go through these like certain, there's certain steps that I go through now. It's like, what is the fever? What is the eating? It's kind of like a regular child. However, you get to the place of how is his breathing, watching his rib cages, uh, seeing if he's turning blue in any areas. You know, there's other things that are heart related that I have to look out for rather than the normal mommy stuff that we do with kids that are you know, perfectly healthy who get sick. And so now that I, I, I go through all those checks, you know, and if, if it checks all the boxes, if all these things are happening, I pick up the phone and I have to call the pediatric cardiology unit at CHLA immediately, which just happened. Oh, it did just happen. <laughs> oh yeah. It just happened in Winnipeg. I was filming in Winnipeg and he got very sick and his breathing became very labored and he started turning blue and Ryan had to fly up to Winnipeg and get him and bring him back to Los Angeles because Winnipeg, and this is the last time I'll ever make this mistake. I haven't made a mistake so far as a heart mommy, I guess it was bound to happen, but I took him to a part of the country that didn't have any kind of pediatric heart care. In fact, the closest place was really far away. And so his doctors were like, he needs to come back and it ended up being fine. But it was, it was like, oh, all these boxes are checked. Ugh, crap. This is bad. I got a call, you know? So it's a little more heightened when he gets sick and a little more scary sometimes. Yeah. It really raises the stakes, you know, in thinking back on your story about the boys being sick in Georgia, just how terrifying that must have been for you. Oh, yeah. Ugh. It does. It gets really terrifying and you start to like, but in Georgia, they have a, you know, they have a heart institute for kids. So, and I've already been there once before we had to go through the echocardiogram because Benny had been vomiting for like six days Mm -hmm. and um, his cardiology team was like, you have to get him, his heart has to be seen now. So I've had those like panics where we've had to do those certain things and it's just crazy, but you'll appreciate this. Speaking of like you picking up Eliza and you being like, dang it, we can't have our mom night. And I get it because I was like so excited to see you. I was so excited to see you. And I was also like, Eliza, but also really sad for her and like poor baby. But I'm just being so honest. It, It has happened to me so many times. And I'll tell you with Hudson, I'm super guilty of this and I, I can't do this, but like it has happened and I'm just, it's a bad mommy moment. But like recently Hudson got like some kind of weird bite and it got like quickly infected. And I had come home in the afternoon and I had like five different things I was going to do. It was on a Friday. I was super excited, included drinks with some girlfriends. And I found myself like barreling towards Beverly Hills Pediatrics, which is my, you know, that's where my pediatrician is, to have him seen because she was like, you have to bring him in right now. It got that bad. And I was like, no, you can't get because I've lived in hospitals and and, like doctor's offices. So husband isn't allowed to get sick. And I was like, (laughs) oh, 
this is such a bad <gasps> moment. <gasps> Finally, I was like, Hudson, I'm so sorry, buddy. You can absolutely get sick. You can have bites. You can, I'm so sorry. That is not fair to you. But I did have that moment of like, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I told, yeah, I, I had that moment because also I didn't realize until I was scrolling through, I guess I was reading the cut on my phone after I texted you that we weren't going to get to hang out. And it said that we were going to hang out on Friday. And it said today is especially rare because the full moon oh, coincides with Friday the 13th. Yeah. <laughs> and it was supposed to be like, and it said the last time a na- nationwide full moon fell on this day was on October 13, 2000, when, you know, your colleague, Christina Aguilera, <laughs> her song... <laughs> Come on uh, over was no, the number one song in the U.S. And it also, by the way, it the just fact, came full circle. It, yeah, full circle. Back, so full circle to when you were in the Mickey Mouse Club. But also that the song was "Come on Over." <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like I was beckoning you. I was beckoning <laughs> you. I so deeply wanted to see your face and hug you and and talk to you about your retreat. And everything, we're going to get our chance. It's it's not going to pass us. We're going to make this thing happen. Oh, yeah, we but will. both you and I, I could feel that both you and I were like, oh, Eliza, really? We were trying to will the hangout. For <laughs> listeners, I basically said, like, you put the kids to bed. I'm coming over because I haven't seen your face all summer. And then it was foiled. On a lighter note, what's your hand sanitizer of choice? <laughs> I don't know if that's a lighter note. On a more pair... <laughs> More neurotic note. Right. I, by the way, I don't have one. I just kind of like, there's one in a blue bottle that smells really good. And I don't even know the name of it, but it's the one I buy all the time. Is it at Whole Foods? Yes, it's at Whole Foods. It's like EOS or ES or something. Yeah. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. So I buy that all the time. And I also have sanitizer all over my house. There was a, time, a point in time, I think you and I both, I don't. I think the only person who sanitized their hands as much as I do was you, and I was like, I appreciate that. I see you. Well, that's why I didn't come over. It wasn't even because Eliza was sick and I should be her caregiver. It was because I didn't want to get. <laughs> I wasn't going to get Benny sick because I felt like if he got sick in the next six weeks, I would somehow feel guilty for that. No, I didn't know that was the reason. Oh, I yeah. told you just don't worry about it. My kids would have been a sick too. Uh, but you know what? Thank you. I do appreciate that because it it is, you know, especially the first couple of years is with them when they get sick, it is really dangerous. Um, and so it's sometimes people take real offense to that when you walk in the when you walk come in the door and you say like, oh, if you don't mind, just like washing your hands or here, you can just hit up this hand sanitizer. Like there's two groups of people. There's the group of people that are like, oh my gosh, yes, of course. Hit up the hand sanitizer mm-hmm. or wash their hands or whatever. And then there's the other group of people that get so offended. And you're like, I don't understand what offends you about this. <laughs> like, Yeah, your child has has had surgery multiple times. Yeah, like I'm not. And, I, and my kids haven't. And I still make them do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because because even if they get sick and they're going to be fine, it's such a pain in the butt. It's so annoying. It's to like lose everybody sleep. is miserable. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, what do you do when you have to get your head on straight after being up all night with a sick kid? Because that's me today. Oh. And I I listened to 
I use my little AirPods and I listen to an insight timer. It's the name of this meditation app. And I listen to one called Bone Deep Sleep. It's 15 minutes long. And I basically just play mm. that on loop when I'm trying to do the intermittent sleeping with my sick child. Mm-hmm. And if I have like, mm-hmm. if I have 30 minutes in the morning, if Adam's covering me or whatever, and I can just lay there, that's what I do to try to help my brain from and just help myself from crying all day from just being tired how about you i eat my placenta immediately do you still have placenta i yeah i got the i one of the things that i got with it was i got it put in tincture form which lasts you your whole entire life and it like gets you through menopause the whole thing this sounds made up nikki tell me more (laughs) (laughs) um and I take my placenta and it's the most disgusting thing I've ever put in my mouth yeah. ever. But I do three drops under my tongue and it it tastes like you think it's going to. It tastes like raw placenta. And um, I do three drops under the tongue and I, I'm not joking. Within 20 minutes, I already feel because they're all my happy hormones. And so I already start to feel a little bit better. I drink kombucha throughout the day. Because what it's really about when you're tired is you have you have no tolerance. Your tolerance mm-hmm. becomes very, very, very thin, especially when it's accumulated over the course of like days, you know, or weeks or months. So I do the same thing as you where I'll put like my ear pods in and then I have these like ultra like meditation waves that I will play. And I use them actually a lot with the boys for sleep. But it also helps me to calm. Or I also will listen, believe it or not, to podcasts. I'll listen to your podcast. I'll listen to Podsafe America. I listen to podcasts because hearing people talk calms me, actually. I love it. Mm -hmm. So I'll do that, too. And then if I really, really am like, I'm done, I I will put everyone in separate rooms and just, like, sit Bennett in his crib with a toy for five minutes and then just sit down and breathe and go within. And for five minutes, I'll just breathe. And then I'll go back and somehow that like resets my sympathetic nervous system. And I'm able to like go back in and be like, all right, thank you guys for that timeout. And I explained that mommy needed a timeout, that I wasn't feeling like I was being the best version of myself. And I really needed to give myself a timeout. And that seems to work because, you know, they're like, oh, that's fair. If, if that applies to us, then that can that should also apply to you when you're not the best version of yourself. <laughs> you're not bothered about the fact that the placenta stuff isn't regulated. I mean, I took, <laughs> I know I'm going to back to the not beginning of your speech. You're not concerned about that. Okay. By the way, not concerned at all. I did it with my first one. I'm not concerned at all. I did it with my first one. I didn't with my second because of the group B strep. They say you shouldn't do it if you've had group B strep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I did know that, actually, because when she does her consultation with you, she asks. So, I, yes, I did know that. But, you know, I was pretty much desperate. Like, I had such severe suicidal postpartum with Hudson, and it lasted for so long that I was like, I don't care. I will stand on my head and, you know, eat grass. Mm-hmm. And chant like I don't care what if if I if somebody's going to tell me that it's going to help and this is right. really going to make a difference and help me not to get postpartum a second time I will do anything, and I did a lot of research on it and uh, was a part of a lot of postpartum groups 
And it was the one thing that was continuously brought up. And so I was like, oh, there's got to be something there. Yeah, I definitely think that the herbs that my doula added to the placenta pills were helpful as well. Of course, I don't know what they were, but... (laughs) Yeah. And also, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm literally, like, really, the doulas are putting uppers of- in the tinctures. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. All the doula listeners out there, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Oh, God, I'm going to have to cut all of this. I'm so tired. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's like the, the conversations that I have with every woman is it, there was where they'll be like, well, what is in there? And I'm like, I don't know. I really <laughs> but it don't. Feels I don't good. know. I don't. And I, yeah. I don't helps. care. But I just, I feel happy after I take it. Um, that's that's my kind of that's my to do list when I'm tired. Oh, and lots of water, lots of water, lots yeah, of water. I'm, I'm low yeah. on water right now. I'm high on coffee, low on water. Do you make it common knowledge when your kid comes down with something, or do you keep it play it close to your chest? Um, I make common knowledge. I feel like I have to because I was the parent at preschool that would, you know send an email out when like the one kid kept coming to school sick all the time. I was that annoying parent that would be like, um, can you please send out an email to all the parents in the classroom that not to bring your kids to school sick? Thank you very much. I would appreciate that. (laughs) Most of the reason why I did that is because we went to preschool. We're like, if you could afford to go to this preschool, you can afford to keep your kid home if he's sick. Mm -hmm. But what about the cough? Nikki, because the cough lingers for such a long time. The cough, no, the cough is different. But if your kid has run a fever, you keep your kid home for 24 hours after that fever has stopped. If your kid has got like, you know, if they have the clear snot where it's just kind of like they're hot, like no. But if your kid has got like infection snot, you don't take your kid to school. You know, there's a difference. You can tell, like, if a kid is contagious, you don't take them to school. If they're not contagious, it's fine. Like, those coughs can linger sometimes for, like, a month. I know. But fevers is my main thing. I know. I was so upset. This was the first time where I picked up my kid with a fever. She was fine when she was dropped off in the morning. And then by 2 p.m. when she woke up from her nap, she wasn't feeling good. And so, I, you know, that's what time we pick her up anyway. And But that you can't help. You had no idea. By the way, Hudson's also come home from school, been sent home with a fever a couple of times as well. Those we can't help. It's when people knowingly send their kids to school who have a fever. And, you know, my mom was in public education. So I, and so it's like, it's very different in public schools because, I mean, I grew up in a family where we didn't necessarily have the money to put me somewhere if I didn't go to school. You know, my mom and dad worked super hard make ends meet and it was hard it was like we had to get help from my grandparents like we didn't have a lot of money so I get it like it's really hard but I know at our school that that was a different situation uh do you miss me at your new school (laughs) I Ellie I can't like I keep looking for you in people I keep being like are you there Ellie are you in her are you in her? And I just, you're not because you're Ellie and there's only one you. And I just miss you so, so, so much. And I'm so unsatisfied that our kids are not at the same school. I am happy they're at schools that are close to each other. So I, it's, I'm hopeful that that means they'll be like after school 
get togethers for us uh, or meetups like, you know, at a coffee place so they can like have food and we can hang out. So I'm like hopeful that that's going to happen once they get a little bit older, that that'll be able to happen a lot. Yeah. Um, well, also next year, you're going to be back at preschool. So at least we'll share a school again. I'll get to see you. Once Benny is in preschool, you know, then we'll be back uh, on track. <laughs> Nikki. Uh, you know, I got to see you before, you know, the flu season kicks in because, you know, I'm a big hugger, <laughs> but the second the flu season happens, I go on hugging hiatus. So <laughs> let's make yeah. it happen. Yeah. Again, I love that about you. I love it so much. And I love that you own it. I love that. Like, you're like, this is who I am. I'm not going to apologize for it. It's how you should be. And it's one of the reasons I love you. You are who you are. And it's the most beautiful thing. And you're just the most wonderful human. Right back at you, sister. Thank you. So in closing, is there anything you would say to a mom out there who's listening right now while her kid is attempting to sleep in her arms and to attempting to break a fever? <sighs> this too shall pass. This too shall pass. I, I, that's my, like the thing that I mantra that I repeat in my head over and over when they're sick and I'm in that situation. I just, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And it really, that helped me. Oh, oh no. He peed on top of the Lego table. Oh no. Oh God. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to let you go. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nikki Deloche, Becky Friedman, and Casey Levy for your insights and hot tips in this episode. I also want to thank my hot husband, screenwriter Adam Stekiel, and give special thanks to our sound engineer, Owen O'Neill to Jeremy Turner for our original theme music, and to Olivia Hasty, our production assistant. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Please share this podcast with friends. There's a lot of wonderful, positive content out there, and it really helps us out when you spread the word about Atomic Moms. So thank you so much. And until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Thank you.